Hello, Erica. Hello, Stephen. We're, we're sitting more upright for this one, mm-hmm. like we're like we're standing to attention because there's business at hand. Business. Business. What business? Um, incomparable business, as you may know, we are on the Incomparable Network, and we're pretty happy about that. Yes, we are. We've been happy. The last episode that we did was from the heartland of the Incomparable Network headquarters, the brain quarters, if you will, to quote a future Doctor Who episode. Um, okay, if you say so. Yeah. Oh, it'll, remember this. Remember this moment okay. when we get to it. Noted and filed. Okay. So what's what's going on at the Incomparable? Well, many listeners have, uh, to the network in general, and maybe to us too, have uh, have been asking for a way to support our podcast. And now there is one pretty exciting. Uh, the Incomparable now has a membership system that lets you sign up for a monthly or annual pledge to support this podcast, Lazy Doctor Who, directly. Well, what, what, what would the listeners do then? Well, okay, what they have to do is go to theincomparable.com slash members and sign up for a membership. It will ask you to pick the shows on the Incomparable Network that you want to support. So all you have to do is check the box next to Lazy Doctor Who. Uh, If you only check that box, your entire contribution will come to us after the fees are taken out. If you you only check that box, then we love you. (laughs) Yes. But if you listen to other podcasts on the Incomparable Network, and you should, uh, you can also check their boxes and your contribution will be shared equally by all of the shows that you want to support. And as a thank you for supporting us, members will receive extras, including exclusive bonus audio tracks, a live bootleg feed of the Incomparable podcast itself, and other cool stuff. We haven't actually planned something for our... Well, we have, we're thinking of things for our, our uh, element of that, aren't we? We have ideas, but we don't have anything for sure yet. But we're, we're kind of excited because I think it's going to be fun. Yeah. Erica, tell us about the contribution levels for this uh, membership drive. Okay. Uh, there are contribution levels at $5, $10, and $20 per month. And annual equivalents are available as well. So if you would like to support Lazy Doctor Who, you can go to theincomparable.com slash members to sign up. And thank you in advance to anybody who does. Thank you. And now back to Doctor Who. The Time Meddler. Mm-hmm. Those are a pledge break. Just like Doctor Who aired back in the day. <laughs> you just call the number along the bottom of the screen, one of our fine volunteer uh, who are manning the phones from the, uh, oh, I don't know, let's say the Des Moines Time Lords. <laughs> we'll take your call and, and we, they, they will send you large scarves if you pay enough money. Des Moines, really? Is it Des Moines or Des Moines? Des Moines. See, that's funny. I have to laugh at you because you in in Wisconsin, mm-hmm. your state of birth mm-hmm. would pronounce like New Berlin and mm-hmm. La, uh, what's the... Lacrosse. Uh, Lacrosse, La La that's yeah, right. Should be La, uh, what's the one? St. Croix? Uh, yeah, St. Croix. Yeah, St. Croix. So, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, so don't don't talk to me <laughs> about messing up pronunciations. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So the time of the part two, which is uh, an interesting episode. Mm-hmm. Um, how long did it take you to notice or remember? I suppose you've seen this episode before and not relatively recently. Did it take you to twig that uh, William Hartnell was on vacation this week? <laughs> you know, I don't think I noticed that the first time. Mm-hmm. Maybe the second time either. Uh, now, now that I know that from hearing... I, I think the reason that I didn't know it before is because... 
the concept of actors being on vacation and being written out for stories wasn't something that I had even thought about until I heard people talking about it on podcasts. So I wouldn't have known that that, that was a thing that, w- that could possibly happen until until kind of seeing it now. So yeah, to me now, it's really obvious, but I never twigged before. No, it works that they have a couple of pre-recorded lines of him yelling and then some stagehand throws water on the monk to indicate that, uh, that the doctor's actually done that. So it helps. I think this this is one of the better episodes that sort of helps smooth over the fact that he's not here, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, tossing water out the window like that is totally something the first doctor would do. So it's in character and it makes sense. The only weird thing is, so he's caught behind that uh, trapped, you know, it's like a bunch of bars on a cage sort of thing. And then he's in a room with a wooden door that locks. Like, how did he get from one place to the other? Did, did the monk knock him out? <laughs> Drug him? Like, what happened? Maybe it's just a, another part of the room? Nope. No? No, because he's prepping that same little, you know, drop cage place for uh, for Vicky and Steven later. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll say this about that. And it's for years when I saw Return of the Jedi in the theaters, um, I didn't know how Jabba and all of his cronies went from his palace to the sail barge. Because in my head, I never saw the transition. So when I was a kid, I looked at that and thinking, wait a minute, now they're in, I thought, were they in the sail barge the whole time? Because I didn't remember the mm-hmm. establishing shot. <clears throat> so in that regard, uh, you know, if Jabba, if Jabba and his cronies uh-huh. can... <laughs> can I know this exciting story? Uh, can get across to the sail barge from the sail uh, from the palace without me seeing them. Then th- the monk can move the doctor to his new cell without us seeing him. Yeah, that, I'm sure he threatened him with a weapon of some sort or something. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's it just it seemed sudden to me. Yeah. yeah. Um, what else about this episode did you uh, find noteworthy? Anything at all? Uh, maybe the implied rape. Yeah, I was gonna get there. Um, <laughs> Well, you said noteworthy, and that's the—I'd say—that's the most noteworthy thing about this episode, which is quite good. There's a lot of good stuff in here, but you—you you chose that word noteworthy, so there we go. I was gonna. F- we, we okay. We can talk. We can talk about. The right <laughs> we can. We no. We can talk about other stuff. No, I was gonna talk about um, what I noticed this time around is that you know Stephen is still skeptical. You know, he's got the wristwatch that he found. Think he still thinks this is some sort of like Playfair or something like that, and it's just a bunch of people in fancy dress. And I never really noticed that um, this time around when I watched it is that he gradually sort of you know becomes convinced, and it's only when the uh, um, Edith and Woldoth, her husband, uh, you know, wish them well and send them, give them food and stuff and send them off. He goes, oh, thanks. And then he realized, thank you. And then when they say, God be with you, he actually stops and turns around, God be with you. And it's that moment when he actually realizes that he is in 1066. I love that scene so much because, yeah, his his realization is very well played. It is subtle but really touching. And also I think he's also he's realizing he's in 1066 and he's realizing that these people who are so primitive compared to him are not only letting him live and letting him leave, they're giving him food out of, you know, whatever meager stores of food that they have to to travel with and is he's just very taken aback and... And then, of course, by the end of the episode, we're looking at a record player. So he's, I think he's rethinking again mm-hmm. at that point, which is very interesting. Yeah. Um, 
what else in this episode? There's one more thing that I want. Yes. What do you have? Uh, I adore the scene outside the monastery when Vicky and Steven come to confront the meddling monk because there are layers upon layers upon layers of things going on there. On. I adore it. Okay. So you've got, you've got them, Steven specifically being clever and not believing the monk's story, which, you know, I, I appreciate that about Stephen. He's, he sees through that. So he tries his little, his little trick and says, Hey, Vicky, be quiet. I want to, I want to try something. And he does his little mind game and the monk who has been listening to them and knows that they're going to do it. He lets himself be caught. But if you're not watching really closely, you might not realize that. But Vicky is clever enough to recognize that that was just too easy so that maybe the monk was trying to to be caught. And then Stephen, of course, says, yeah, you know, you might be right, but it doesn't really matter because breaking in at this point is the only way for us to go. There's there's no other choice. So it's, you know, one upon the other upon the other, and they're all being clever. And the monk is being clever because, yes, indeed, he is trying to lure them in because he wants to, to capture them in the same way that he captured the doctor for whatever nefarious purposes he has. Uh, and it's, it's a really well-balanced scene because they're both, both of our main characters are being smart at each other and they're not trying to one-up each other they're just having a conversation and they're just trying to get the job done and they're working together but each bringing something different to the table and it's just it is an excellent scene of two companions and this is one of the main reasons why I just love having more than one companion in the TARDIS it's great you get crap like this it's wonderful crap like this (laughs) notable praise indeed and it's it's uh it's something that you had to do in this day and age when the, you know, 42 to 45 episodes a year, you have to sort of get, you know, give your star time off to be off camera to move to the next set or anything like that. It, in a way, it's a great story to introduce a companion. It's not the doctor showing the new companion the ropes and showing him the wonders of traveling. on It's the established companion, mm-hmm. which I think is just such a neat twist. And in this case, the established companion is a young girl. Like, mm-hmm. she's just a kid. And the new companion is this, you know, dashing, daring, do, you know, older fellow. Space hero. He's a space, he's a space hero. And it's just, it's a very interesting dynamic going on between the two of them. Because he's not, like, he's not completely condescending and patronizing towards her. But he, especially at the beginning, he doesn't quite believe her. And he is slowly learning, as he's learning that he's really in 1066, uh, he's slowly learning to to trust her. So they're working together. And also Vicky has, I think, I think my favorite hair out of any companion ever. I love her little pigtail hairstyle. In part, perhaps, because I wear my hair like that all the time. You do. On, on your so-called lazy days. Yep. <laughs> yeah, which are pretty much every day these days. That's true. Yeah, we are both in team unemployment. Yeah. Or team fun employment. Ah, woohoo! Yeah, we should be doing more Lazy Doctor Who because what else we got to do? Hire us, please. Yeah, well, I only lost my job like last week, so we're building up to it. <laughs> yes. I, yeah. I had planned like giant marathons. Mm-hmm. Um, so perhaps on July the 4th, your national, perhaps both. Last year we did a bit of a mini uh, marathon on July the 1st, didn't we? For Canada Day. And then we went to watch fireworks. That rings a bell. I don't remember if we did a marathon or just recorded an episode, but I definitely remember singing uh, the words Canada Day to the Doctor Who theme. Yeah, we did do that. That's right. We did do that. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll have to do something like that again, and then maybe even for July the 4th, but no promises. Um, uh, anyway, yes, 
the rape. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I I forgot. I always forget because there are so many delightful things in here. Uh, I always forget how dark and violent this story is in parts. I mean, wow. I was I was appalled and annoyed at the uh, the treatment of sort of attempted rape in the Romans, and here. I don't even know how to describe my feelings. It's it's just so awful and and dark. And yet this is a historical and that stuff happened a lot. So, yeah, I have very mixed feelings about it. It just seems like an a weird thing to include here. Not that kids are going to notice it. That's not no. a thing kids are going to pick up on, but it's pretty it's pretty overt. We also had the doctor drinking in the last episode and we got the monk doing drugs. So, mm-hmm. I know I looked it up once before, but what what is he what kind of drug is that it's snuff okay and is i thought snuff was tobacco based i think you actually like sniff it yeah is there was a sniffable tobacco okay these are things i am not particularly familiar with yeah apparently you do that um well vikings did rape and pillage Mm -hmm. um it is kind of in their job description from 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 the history (laughs) books sadly so to not show Mm-hmm. that aspect of their raiding parties i suppose you know would be fine on a tea time children's yeah. show as far as i'm concerned it's, it's shocking that they put in but uh as you mentioned the, the romans one mm-hmm. interesting to note same writer did both dennis spooner ew <laughs> dennis spooner please. Mm. please i don't i don't even know what to say well i'm I'm not. I cannot, I'm not going to say I'm glad. The mm-hmm. fact that he put it in, but treated it so very seriously, and the actors treated it seriously, and Douglas Camfield, the director, did mm-hmm. so as well. Like they did not, you know, it was not jokey. It was not played frivolously at all. You know, it was a, clearly a traumatic scene, and I I applaud them for that. Yes, that is true. Like I said, in, in comparison, I am much. Uh, I, I prefer this treatment of it to be to be honest. So, yeesh. Yeesh. And then there's, you know, the battle scene where they're beating the poop out of each other. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, which, yeah, that was fine. Actually, I, I did like, you know, most of the scenes that happened in that little forest clearing, I, I liked from, you know, a camera perspective. We get some really neat shots, <clears throat> especially earlier on when it's just uh, Vicky and Steven in there being discovered. You get shots of, of them through the camera. You get some nice zooms, like, you mm-hmm. know, going from outside the the forest clearing to inside it's neat yeah you could tell they weren't at lime grove studios anymore because they have a zoom lens <laughs> yes the technology of riverside studios where they're making doctor who around this time they have zoom lens at riverside swanky <laughs> yeah i looked at the fight scene and i i immediately cast my mind back to the opening fight scene in the crusade also directed by douglas camfield mm-hmm. and i'm thinking you know what's missing here peter diamond yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't quite that good as far as the choreography goes, but at least it didn't go on too long, I guess. Mm-hmm. And we get, you know, we get the injured guy who is <laughs> delightfully terrible when he's, you know, leaning on his friend outside of the monastery. I think he's supposed to look out of it and hurt, but he just looks, I don't know, stoned, stoned is what like, you said. <laughs> yeah, he looks kind of stoned. Um possibly possessed by <laughs> yeah. someone from oh, I don't know. Castria, is it Castria? The place in Hand of Fear, anyway, because his name is Eldred. Oh, is it really? Yeah, it's Eldred. 
Well, he must live then. He must live. I think he's Eldrad or Eldred. I know there's like another Eldred in the Seeds of Death, I think. And then, of course, there's Eldrad in the Hand of Fear. So, I like that name, though, so I'm not going to complain. <laughs> exactly. That's the best thing about him is his name. Um, is that it then? Is that it for this uh, this episode of uh, of the Time Meddler? The Meddling Monk, the name of it. The next episode's called A Battle of Wits, which I nearly wanted to call A Battle of Twits, but... <laughs> Uh, well, we did get some, was that footage from a movie or was it stock footage of the Vikings? Well, I think it was actually stock footage from a documentary made in the 50s that the DVD team uh, had found the actual original film, the original 35 millimeter film of it. And so they actually transferred in the original clips from that, which is why it looks so much better. Uh, did we talk about? No, we don't think we talked about it. This one was not vid fired for for the DVD release because it wasn't up to snuff the film quality. This was one of the um, the stories that were found in Nigeria in 1984. Ooh. Yeah, and there's a fight scene in I think episode three or four. Spoilers <laughs> that has a few seconds of it cut out because of uh, censors, so it's still missing that little bit. Ooh. Yeah. Well, speaking of spoilers, uh, I hope everybody looked very closely at that pile of furs at the end that was uh, that was underneath the the blanket in the doctor's cell. Um, also, good job, Stephen, for being able to pick a lock with a jackknife. Uh, that was that was nice. Uh, but yeah, those that pile of furs is going to look very different in the beginning of the next episode. Possibly, you know, if Stephen's so good at picking a lock with a jackknife, then how is he stuck for like two years on Mechanus? Where would he go? If he got out. Elsewhere. And do what? He didn't have a spaceship. He couldn't get away. That's true. And even if he'd gotten out, you know, the mechanoids were all over the place. So maybe he did get out again and again, and they just caught him and put him back in the cell every time. I am surprised that Big Finish haven't done the uh, the adventures also? of a trapped uh, Steven on Mechanus. Oh, yeah, because that would be thrilling. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, I'm... You know, this 1066 here, lock quality, probably not that great. Mechanoids, future, future technology, the locks were probably electronic or something. I would hope so, since the mechanoids don't have opposable digits. It would be <laughs> difficult for them to make a lock from 1066 even, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Although they might they might be able to shoot out like a, a cute little key um, <laughs> uh, a, a appendage to go into a lock and go, you know, do do do. A little bit. A little bit. Key little lock. Key lock. Open. I don't know what they said. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. Mechanoids. I like mechanoids. <laughs> you know, they have those in uh, play, play uh, you know, Set. action dolly mm-hmm. form. I know. I don't like stuff, but they're pretty cute. They're pretty neat. We won't get one. No. We have no jobs. <laughs> yeah, we certainly won't be getting one. Exactly. All right. Um, <laughs> speaking of no jobs, if you want to support the Incomparable <laughs> Network, Incomparable... Uh, dot com slash members if you want to uh, help support this show and many others on the incomparable network Mm -hmm. we would thank you for that yeah we would Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. all right then well until the next one bye bye bye